Oh, also we're 35 seconds in. Hello. <laughs> oh, hi. Uh, hello. What? Hello. Um, earlier, Evan was like, so I think I'm going to do laundry while you pod. Uh, is our is our wash going to be too loud? Because it's like in the bathroom right next to the wall that I recorded. And I was like, I mean, even if it is, we have like 30 people that listen to this. It's and not the end of the is, world. <laughs> disclaimers every time of like, hey, <laughs> like we have all these noises happening. Trevor's also doing laundry, but it's 10 floors above us. So if we heard it, something would be real wrong. So you're not in Branson yet? No. Um, we're going to go to Naperville to hang out with Trevor's family tomorrow and the next day. And then the day after Christmas, we drive to Naperville. Or no, to Branson. To Branson. Oof. Fun. Yeah. Nice. Be good. Also, I went to uh, Texas and Poto, Oklahoma. And saw all your family. To go to my grandmother's funeral. And yeah. it was... I'm, I realize how this sounds, but it was one of the best weekends ever. It no, was how, so good. What do you mean you realize how that sounds? That sounds like because it's you weird guys to be came like, together like, under sad circumstances yeah. and had a great time. But like even together. the funeral. <laughs> which, <laughs> it was just kind of like a comedy of errors the whole time. And it. it it was exactly her. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like the kind of it's it's your grandmother would like, though. It's exactly her. <laughs> and so we were like, my brothers and I and my cousin Jenny were all talking the night before because my grandma was addicted to Coca-Cola. She loved it. Like her favorite activity was like, let's go get a Coke. And then we'll, you know, doesn't matter she, what the rest of that sentence is. And so we were all joking. We were like, man, how funny would it be if we brought a bunch of Cokes to the funeral? And so we got to Poto and my brothers went to a like convenience store down the street and somehow snuck in two huge bags full of individual Coke cans. Oh, my God. And so then as soon as the pastor man was like, and now the last song is going to play and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> they both got up and just started handing out Cokes to everyone. Oh, my God. So we, like, cracked them open and started drinking Coke. But none of us drink Coke because it's so sugary. Mm -hmm. So none of us really like it. So after a few drinks, all of us were like, my tongue feels swollen. <laughs> yeah, now you've just got this Coke. So then we, <laughs> after they buried her ashes, we poured the Cokes out on her grave. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we're pouring them out of her grave. And... My dad is taking pictures of us and we're all losing our minds because we cannot stop laughing about this ridiculous situation that's happening right now. And this is leaving out like 80% of the ridiculousness that has gone on thus far, but we dump it out and everything's great. And so then my brother is sending all of the photos to all of us in a group message so that we all have them. <laughs> <laughs> and he sends, you know, the, the photos out. And then in the group message, we get this text. It's just, just like, uh, wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my do God. You guys not pour Coke out on your buried loved ones where you're from. That's so good. Whoops. And we were like, sorry, have a good day. And we just got this, yeah, you too, dot, 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 shocked face. <laughs> 
Wow. That's like, that mood is how the entire weekend went. It was hilarious. But I think she would have loved every second of it. So yeah. it was good. Good. Yeah. That's how funerals should be. That's my first funeral that I've been to in my adult life. And so I mm-hmm. wasn't really sure how to behave or what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then my 39-year-old brother came up to me and was like, are we supposed to be quiet in there? And I was like, I, I don't know. I was relying <laughs> on you. What do you mean? Yeah. What? And so all of us were just like, we don't know what we're doing. It was very strange, but a good time. Well, good. Just sounds weird that I'm like, I went to my grandma's funeral and had a great time, you know? Yeah, but I feel like, I mean, I don't think that's that weird. You know? I hope not, but <laughs> if it is, you know, whatever. Whatever. Um, How are you, Taylor? I'll tell you, Reagan. Please do. I'm pretty good. That's My head good. has been pretty uh, pretty decent today. It's been real heavy, but not like a ton of pain, which has been awesome. So good. there's been like some light sensitivity, uh, but up until like half an hour ago, there wasn't much pain and it's still pretty mild compared to what it could be. So I'm hoping that... Um, that kind of sticks around for a couple days because that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be great. I um, hope Christmas with Evan's family is great. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm excited. Um, my grandparents just got to Oregon, so they are all together for Christmas, which is good. That's and great. I'm jealous, <laughs> but I'm happy that they have people there. Oh, so we put up our Christmas tree on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we like majorly procrastinated it and <laughs> this tree is one that Evan's dad got for us when we first moved into this apartment almost five years ago and Evan's dad is a maverick at finding the shittiest like trinkets like we joke that nice. when he dies Evan's just gonna inherit a like case full of just like shitty shit and mike is always just like it's my money i can do whatever i want with it so he got us a 4.99 dollar tree when we first moved in um and it's so hilariously shitty so it loses needles like it's a real tree but it's a fake tree It's so bad, and I love it. All the hassle it. and none of the smell. I am 100% obsessed with this tree. And, like, last year, I didn't remember this until we were putting it up, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute, because last year <laughs> it's in, like, two halves, you know, like you put the base, mm-hmm. and then you just, like, plug it in. And um, the bottom half lost its lights, and so then it was just the top half that was lit, and we, like, thought it was pretty funny. And then this year, none of it lights up (laughs) so we like we like didn't really put any of our like ornaments on it because we were a little worried that the cats were gonna try and attack it and it's not sturdy enough to withstand anything like a light breeze will knock it over so um but yeah we put it up and it's adorable and terrible and i love it what are you drinking oh i have myself a hot toddy tonight a hot toddy oh because you're away from your boxed wine i am What's in um, a hot toddy? That's whiskey, it, yeah? 
It's whiskey, hot water, um, and then from that, it kind of varies what people put in it. If you're lazy, just a lemon, but I go all out because if I'm going to make a hot toddy, I'm going to make a freaking hot toddy. Sure. Uh, so I have a apple cinnamon tea, um, muddled oranges, honey, and cinnamon, and hot water and whiskey. Wow. It's really delightful. It's just sounds real fancy. spices and it tastes like Christmas and I love it. I had a couple oranges I needed to get rid of. And so I was like, hey, Trevor, do you want a hot toddy? <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Nice. Yeah. What are you drinking? Okay. I know beer, but what kind? I am drinking the Rogue uh, Hazy India Pale Ale Bat Squatch. Nice. Which apparently is a real thing. Did you know that bat squatch is a real thing? No. What is it? That people claim to have seen many times. Basically, it's Mothman, but a oh, bat. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but squatch. on the can, it. it yeah, on the can it says dedicated to the legend and a big old picture of bat squatch. Mothman. Yeah, it's basically Mothman. It's like a twelve foot <laughs> who, bat. Who? Who are we kidding? Yeah, it's Mothman. Evan was like reading me the description of Bat Squatch, and I was like, "So it's Mothman." So it's <laughs> he was Mothman. like, "It's not fucking Mothman." It's like, ah, this sounds like Mothman." I'm pretty sure it's Mothman. Sorry, you're just reading me the Wikipedia page for Mothman. Also, hi and welcome to Babe Town. Oh my God, hi and welcome to Babe Town. Happy holidays, anybody that's listening. Oh man, it's all yeah. of the holidays right now. By the time this comes out, it'll be almost 2020. True. Get Very this true. dumpster fire of a year out of here. Yeah, let's just start over. Start fresh. New decade, new year, let's do this. Start fresh. Um, do you know what that means? Next time we record, we're going to have to come up with our New Year's resolutions. No, oh boy. Yeah. So start thinking now. I appreciate the heads up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. And I 100% guarantee you that when we record, you're going to be like, okay, I've got my resolution. And I'll be like, Sorry, what now? <laughs> I'm you're, definitely going to have forgotten about it. <laughs> you're what do those words mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. That'll be good. It'll be great. Uh, Reagan. Yes, Taylor. I have a question for you. <laughs> do, do you? I'm so nervous. What is I it? I feel like the name of this podcast should become I have a question for I you. I have a question for you. Okay, continue. <clears throat> uh, what year was your babe born? Most likely 1905, possibly 1906. Wow, I'm going first. <gasps> Ooh, I'm going to get Dang. Coffee. I did not think I was going first. Okay, great. Well, mine is probably going to be pretty short and sweet, depending on how much I editorialize. You know, uh, Hang on, let me take a healthy swig of the Bat Squatch. Okay, so, Reagan. Yes, Taylor? Have you ever heard of Maude Wagner? Maude Wagner, no. Please tell me about her. Excellent. So I was going to do somebody else, and I was literally falling asleep last night and just kind of scrolling through my phone, and I found this lady and was like, well, I guess I'm changing my lady at the very last minute. I feel like that's how it happens 98% (laughs) of the time, where I'm like, I've got all my research, I just need to come up with my timeline, and then I scroll down, I see something, and I'm like, well... Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Tell me about so, Maud. Maud Wagner. Maud, no E. Oh. Just like like Maud. she's mad with a U. She's real mad at you. 
mad at you. So this is one of the situations where I read so many articles and they were all the same thing. Yeah. Um, so yep. there's not a ton of information about her life, but Maude Wagner was born in Lyon County, Kansas in 1877. The end. Hooray. That's what a good all life. I know about her early life. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so um, at some point, she becomes a circus performer. She worked as an aerialist and a contortionist at the St. Louis World Fair in the early in early 1904. Is it St. Louis or St. Louis? I think if you're in the terrible musical, it's St. Louis. I think if you're a normal human, it's St. Louis. Okay, because I said St. Louis to Evan the other day, and he roasted me into the ground for it. <laughs> That's fair. I would have too. It's like, excuse you, isn't that what it's called? And he was like, no, dude. No. He's like, oh, shit, okay. It's not like Louisville so, or Louisville. Okay, see, we're getting there. I'm learning geography and places and America. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, dupe, dupe, dupe. Okay, so she's at the St. Louis Louis. Shit. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to remember which one. <laughs> she's at the World Fair in the place that has the arch. And Donald. she meets this guy... Gus Wagner and we should just put big ol' heart around Gus and Maude from here on out it's it's yeah. kind of cheating because it's really about both of them but I Gus and Maude are the best I know it's so good Gus and Maude I know I know that's what I want to name my next chat oh man that'd be dynamite right okay so Gus was a well-known tattoo artist in 1904 He's, he was often called the Tattooed Globetrotter. Uh, he was a former sailor and had learned how to tattoo from indigenous people in Java and Borneo while he was there. Very cool. He, very, very cool. He was one of the only artists to still use the stick and poke method despite the tattoo gun having been invented and was being widely used. And he was like, nope, that's not true tattooing. Dang. Isn't that cool? Dang. Um, so Maude comes along. She's like super into this dude that has tattoos. And there's like a ton of photos of the two of them tattooing each other. And it's so cute. Um, so she's super into it. She's like, okay, listen, I'll go on a date with you if you teach me how to stick and poke tattoo. And he's like, yeah, okay. So they go on a couple dates in exchange for him teaching her how to tattoo after years, they finally get married. Oh. Because um, they're the Gus best. Gus and Maude. Gus and Maude. So um, pretty soon, Maude is covered in her own tattoos. Since we're talking the Victorian period, both of them were like huge social outcasts because yep. it's tattoos were... in the Victorian period. Yeah. Of the um, or something. Right. So uh, there's... I think it's a book called Inked Tattoos and Body Art Around the World. Um, a woman named Margot DeMello says that Maude's tattoos were, quote, typical of the period. She had, quote, patriotic tattoos and then, like, a ton of random shit. <laughs> she had, like, a bunch of animals. She had women. And, like, apparently she had her own name tattooed on her arm, which came up in a lot of different articles. Like, people thought it was really fucking weird that she tattooed her own name on her. Um, I'm into it. Get it, girl. Right. Super into it. Um, I also know someone with their own name tattooed on themselves. Really? Yep. Why did Why did they do that? Do you know? 
I don't remember his exact reasoning. Um, it's not his like given first name, but it's the name that everyone, it's the first half of his last name that everybody calls him. Yeah. And I think it was something about like his identity at the time. I don't remember. I like that so much. And I like, I've never understood the argument of like, well, just think about what these tattoos are going to look like when you're 80. Cause like, like who when cares? you look back, A, who cares? And when you look back at them, for me, that would just be like, oh yeah, this is what I was feeling when I was 19 and got this stupid tattoo. Like, it's not going to be a regret thing. It's going to be like, oh man, remember? Yeah, it's a memory. You know? Yeah. I agree. Have I told you I think I'm going to get a tattoo when we're in Scotland? <gasps> oh, I'm so jealous. I think I'm going to get a little Highland cow on my arm. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Also, I'm somewhere so on your arm, I really want you to get, like, shark jaws, like the ones that... Um, Jeannie Clark. Jeannie was posing in. Yeah, I really... I Dr. want that a Jeannie. lot. I want that a lot, but I'm determined to wait until I actually go diving with great whites to get that. That makes sense. I just it's think a goal like the, of mine. The outline of the jaw, yep, bone would be such a cool tattoo. Mm, so good. Yeah. Um. Anyways, where were we? Oh, so Maude is like, like, she is covered in tattoos. You'll be blown away when you look up photos of her because she is like. Like, starting at her chin and just all the way down. There's a photo of her in a corset and, like, just leaning on a table looking like an incredible... God, this woman is, like, probably the coolest lady that I've researched on this podcast. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's just cool. Like, she just doesn't give a shit about anything. I wonder if I've seen photos of her before because there was a... I'm sure you have. There was a... um exhibit at the um field museum in chicago the last time i went about tattoos yeah history i'm sure that i probably saw a photo of her at some point but anyways carry on it's the coolest photo um so after they marry they found their how their home as circus attractions because it's the victorian era and so like traveling circuses were crazy popular and like you know if you have a tattoo then you're basically a freak I guess quote unquote so they just live it up in these traveling circuses and like fucking love it like they're just super at home they love it eventually they move into um going to smaller vaudeville houses and are an attraction as the tattooed couple like that's just their whole thing um so at this point Tattoos were most common in coastal cities that had sailors returning from these islands Mm -hmm. where indigenous tattooing was customary. So, I mean, the exact same thing that Gus experienced. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty common and like, you know, accepted among dudes, not for women, but for dudes, it's accepted to have tattoos, but kind of only in the coastal cities. Gus and Maude are credited as bringing the tattooing art inland. kind of on their own (laughs) because they would travel around from house to house, not house to house, but vaudeville house to house. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
yeah, so they're they're kind of credited with bringing that whole idea into like Kansas areas. Oh, um, Gus and Maude had a daughter named Lativa, which is such an interesting name. It is. Um, she she started practicing tattooing at the age of nine. Yes, girl. Can you imagine a nine-year-old tattooing you? I what really cannot, but I would what probably get a fuck? tattoo from that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. At the age of nine. Um, eventually, Lativa went on to be her own very famous tattoo artist in her own right. Just carried on the family tradition. Um, Maude was super adamant, though, that neither she nor Gus were going to ever tattoo Lativa because she wanted it to be all of her choices and designs, which is great. Um, and then Lativa never opted to get any other tattoos, so she's listed as, quote, one of the few untattooed tattoo artists known. She has none. Pretty cool. Yeah, none. She just never opted to get a tattoo. Interesting. Yeah, so she was just, like, tattooing people up. So cool. Interesting. Um, Gus and Maude both used the hand poke method, which made them some of the last artists that were still utilizing that method. And I read one article um, that talked about how both of them were pretty renowned for using that Mm -hmm. and um, pretty famous for doing so. And they speculated that Maude might be the only woman that had been famous for using that kind of, of tattooing method which is pretty cool. That's so cool. Um, eventually, Gus and Maude moved back to rural Kansas, and their neighbors were not stoked. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, the neighbors would, like, tell their kids spooky stories about the Wagners to keep their kids in line. Like, they were, like, scary witches <laughs> or something. So Kansas. So Kansas. And it's so, like, I don't know. I just I just picture them in, like tracked home neighborhoods just like mm-hmm. walking around being a totally normal couple just happen to be covered in tattoos and like all of these like scared people like looking out of their windows that's yeah. just what I picture you know they get inked up every time they sacrifice a cat to the devil <laughs> yep. yes absolutely it just appears on their skin overnight oh god um so <laughs> Gus sweet Gus he dies in 1941 by being struck by lightning that's a bummer right that's why i kind of laughed because like that is a bummer oh so it was just your time it is your your time time. to go (laughs) okay i guess you're done no arguing with that nope uh maude died in 1961 20 years later she was 84 that's awesome um both of them are buried in Homestead Cemetery in Cedar Point, Kansas. Their graves apparently were super hard to track down because the headstone was like super weathered and you can't you couldn't really read it. Mm-hmm. And there were all of these sweet tattoo enthusiasts that found them and realized who they were. And in 2016, they commissioned new readable headstones for them and like that's awesome and like maintain them so they're like really easy to find now. That's really so cool. Good. So good. Um, Lativa, as I said before, became a pretty famous tattoo artist in her own right. She would often employ the stick and poke method as well. In fact, that was her last tattoo that she ever made before she died was a stick and poke. Yeah. Um, so to round out 
the story of Maud and Gus, the vintage news writes, quote, Maud is remembered as a remarkable lady who had the courage to teach women that tattoos aren't just for men. Yeah, girl. And that's the story of sweet Maud and Gus. What a badass family. Isn't that good? That's so good. <laughs> it's so short. And that's all the information I could find about them. But I was like, man, I, I kind of have to. I have to yeah. talk about how yeah. cool this lady is. Absolutely. Plus, all do. the photos are incredible. I'm so excited so. to look them up. Um, uh, so to source my shit real mm-hmm. quick, uh, the Vintage News, the article is called Maud Wagner, the Inked Woman and America's First Female Tattoo Artist by Ian Harvey. Uh, there's a website called the heroin collective heroin like female heroes female not heroes, like drugs yeah. um and it's just a self-titled mod wagner uh it's written by carly bell and then the atlas obscura website had the graves of mod and gus wagner that's where i found all that information about their graves yep weird um and then tattoolife.com had an article written by julia giametti that's just called meet mod wagner Amazing. So good. Such a fan. Oh, I love all of that. Yeah. Short, sweet, happy. Heck yeah. What mm-hmm. a babe. What a babe. All right. Well, sit back, relax with your Mothman beer. Yeah. And uh, I have a question for you. Do you know the story of Gertrude Ederly? No. Oh, Taylor. <laughs> She's so cool. I can't wait. She's so cool. Okay. Gertrude Ederly was born October 23rd, most likely 1905, maybe 1906. People disagree. On Dylan's and, birthday? Yes, on Dylan's birthday. Cute. And Manhattan is when she was born. Mm. And she became a dentist. No, she didn't. Um, wow, I was about to shit myself. <laughs> Um, she was the third of six children born to German immigrants named Gertrude and Henry Ederly. Um, her dad was a butcher, which I love. My grandfather was a butcher for a while in his life. And so I just have this like, oh, um, I think being a butcher is either the cutest profession or the scariest profession. I think in which way you go about it. I see it as, you know, yeah, the time. Right. Yeah. But like it could really easily be the scariest True. but when i think of butchers i think of like fargo <laughs> i think of like minnesota <laughs> yeah I think of a sweet man that drove a diesel truck and had polio and was a great cook god all reagan that's things. so sweet <laughs> all the best things wow he was the best anyways so um So Gertrude's dad had a summer home in New Jersey and she learned to swim on the New Jersey shore before it was, you know, Jersey shore. Right. Um, But when they came back to Manhattan, she would swim in apparently the 10th Avenue horse troughs, which sounds. What does that mean? (laughs) I'm not positive, but it sounds awful. (laughs) That sounds gross. Whatever it is, it sounds gross. Um, Apparently, it made her dad really mad, which I get. Um, you know. But she said she was always happiest in the waves, and she became known as a water baby. But when she was five, she had the measles, and it led to hearing problems. Her doctor told her it would only get worse if she kept swimming. 
And her response was, quote, but I loved the water so much I couldn't stop. Mm. I know. Mm. So she drops out of high school to become a competitive swimmer, and she won her first competition by the time she was 16. Wow. Yeah. And this is like in the, so what? This is like now like 1920s. Okay. Man, I bet they had like the shittiest bathing suits too for competitive swimming. We're gonna get there. Yay. (laughs) They were so shitty (laughs) and heavy. Anyways. Mm -hmm. um, So her coach was Coach Handley and he was, quote, the greatest swimming instructor in the world. And his focus was advancing women's swimming because he saw a ton of potential in women's swimming and it wasn't really a thing that much. So the most popular stroke was called the crawl stroke. And it was, it was super popular at the time. It's basically freestyle. Yeah. I was going to say, um, but then there was like the Australian crawl stroke where I think you kick more times per stroke than the American it's freestyle. But he noticed that it lent itself to women swimmers because they were more buoyant and they could kick faster than men. Wow. So he starts teaching her the freestyle. And in the 1920s, she starts setting world records for freestyle and American freestyle and all of the things for various distances between a hundred and 800 meters in a single afternoon in 1922. So she's like 17, 18. In one afternoon, she broke seven records. What? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Because she's just like, hi, I'm way better at this than all of you. So excuse That's amazing. Me. Um, between the years of 1921 and 1925, she held 29 amateur national and world records. What? Dang. In four years, she held 29 records. I don't understand. Um, one day, she swam more than 16 miles through really, like, tricky currents between two parts of New Jersey and beat the men's world record. Because why Wait, not? So she's swimming, like, in the ocean, not, like, in a pool. Sometimes. She does both. She does all the oh, things. Oh, okay. Anywhere she can swim in, she's anywhere swimming in water. horse troughs. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. Anywhere she can beat someone else that's swimming, she's going to beat them. Okay. So 1924 rolls around and she's on the U S Olympics swimming team. I almost said ski team. Woo-hoo. Um, and they, the summer Olympics were in Paris that year. So she travels to Paris to compete. And the U S was super cool as always. Very chill. <laughs> And what they, the U.S. is famous for uh-huh, being incredibly chill, being the chillest. They wanted to make sure that the women swimmers would not be, quote, contaminated by oh. the bohemian morals of Paris. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, my God. So they housed them so far away that the women had to travel five to six hours a day just to practice in the Olympic what? Pool. Yeah. Five hours a day. Five to six hours a day just to practice in the pools. Because they didn't want them contaminated by the morals. Fucking unbelievable. So what is Wow. Very <laughs> chill. It's so stupid. So on top of their exhaustion because they're traveling 
in all of their free time. Right. Gertrude had a knee injury. Despite all of this, she still won two bronze medals in the 100 and 400 individual freestyle events. And then she won gold as a part of the 400 meter freestyle relay team. Wow. So after the Olympics, she kind of shifts her goals. She's like, wow, I was really good at that. What else am I really good at? What else can I destroy? And she starts eyeballing the English Channel Challenge. Yes. Okay. So as soon as you said that she was a swimmer, I was like, I wonder if this is going to eventually get us to the English Channel. It is. Really glad to know that it was. Great. Yes, it is. So a British dude had swum the English Channel in 1875 in 21 hours and 45 minutes, and he was the first one to do it. Since then, four other men had done it, ranging in times from 16 and a half hours to almost 27 hours. Oh, my God. 27 hours of swimming in the pool. And by pool, I mean the English Channel. That's exhausting. It makes me very tired to think about it. That dude must have slept for like six days. At least. I can't even. Yeah. Yeah. Minimum. So at the time, it was thought that a woman couldn't do it because it was so dangerous and, quote, only the very strong could. Um, 7% of anyone who attempted it even finished. Wow. So her first attempt is in 1925. She is, depending on what year she's born, either 19 or 20 years old. She is und bebe. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So the Women's Swimming Association is backing her, but after swimming 23 miles in eight hours and 43 minutes, all of the people in the boat who were like watching over her thought she was unconscious in the water and assumed she was drowning and they touched her, which immediately disqualified her. No. So she had to do it again? Yes. So she fucks oh up my and she's God. pissed and she's like, you assholes, I was resting. Oh my Fine. God. So she was pissed because she thought that everybody in the U.S. was going to be like, oh, because a woman can't do it. She's like, no, I totally could have. Right. Duh. So she vows to do it again. And she told her father and everybody else that was going to be in the boat that no matter what she looked like, don't you dare touch her. She fired her old trainer and she hired a man who had swum it before. So he understood. But then she felt bad about asking the Women's Swimming Association to back her again. So she raised the $9,000 herself. In 1920s money? Yes. Oh. Yeah. What is nope. that? Did you do the math? I sure didn't. But That's do you want to take a guess? It's $100,000. <laughs> I even thought about it and I was like, I bet she's going to ask. And I was like, eh, I'm just. Hang on, wait. I've got my computer right here. I'm going to look it up. Okay. What did you say? Five, $9,000? 9000 USD in like 1925? Um, it is equal to $130,699.25. Okay, I was pretty close. What did you guess? $100,000. Yeah, you're pretty close. close. Wow, that's so much money. Still, it's an obscene amount of money. Wow. But everybody was like, I mean, rooting for her and gunning for her. She had a bunch of fans. So then she and her sister, Margaret, design a two-piece swimsuit. Here we go. 
Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So women's suits at the time were wool dresses with stockings and shoes. Because. What? What? With stockings? Sorry. And also wool dresses? And shoes. They swim with shoes. shoes. I hate you it. cut out on the shoes part. What the fuck? Shoes. I hate it so much. So, so they were like, hey, you're going to go swim the English Channel. You better dress up. Yeah. Like also, you're going to be gonna walking down the street in January. Pounds because of your wool dress. Wow. Yeah. So How do you even, time, like, kick your legs in a wool dress? I have no idea. That sounds like chafing central, and I want no part of it. Oh. I don't like the idea of wool being wet. Mm-mm. Nope. I don't like any of it. So at the time, in some places, it was illegal for women to wear even a one-piece that showed their bare legs. So women would get arrested if they had a one-piece but their legs were bare because temptation. Imagine and getting thin. arrested. Yeah. For that shit. Straight up arrested. Wow. So she and her sister Margaret take this huge chance and they design a two-piece suit that would, wouldn't would drag in the water, but would still be, quote, decent in case I failed and they had to drag me out. <laughs> so August 6th, 1926, just after 7 a.m., She's covered in sheep grease, which no thank you. Sure. And she's like, oh, I've swum in horse troughs. This is nothing. This is fine. Just get some sheep to spit on me. Or I That's guess how they do that it. Yeah. Spit, not grease. Either way. You know, Actually, whatever. there are a bunch of videos on YouTube of people compiling the footage of her getting ready and doing the swim. So you can watch parts of her swim on YouTube. What? It's crazy. There, one of the videos shows her getting covered in the sheep grease, and so she's in her two piece, and her coach is like rubbing her down with all the sheep grease, oh and then she God. goes and like salutes everybody on the sideline and jumps in, and wow. then you see them like you see her swimming, and then you see her stop, and somebody in the boat's feeding her, and this whole like it's so cool the footage of the entire thing that you can watch. We're, uh, sorry, we're gonna get there. <laughs> Damn it, Taylor. Stop distracting me. <laughs> My apologies. Okay. So sheep grease. She's ready. Ready yeah. to go. You step. And then she notices that there's a red ball on the shore, which the safe they, they thought the safest way to do it was to swim from England to France. So she, Fran- she swam from France to England. Because fuck your expectations. Right. You know. I do. And I love but, it. Uh, she notices that there's a red ball on the shore, which was a warning to small boats that the seas were super choppy and unsafe. So cool, 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 cool. So she offers up a quick prayer, shouted cheerio to those watching, and dove into the 60-degree water. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't want any of it, but... She learned to follow the tides because they changed every five or six hours. And if you tried to swim through them and cut through them, you would actually exhaust yourself and get not get as far than if you would swim and then drift with it and then swim and drift with it. And so you, you're swimming farther, but actually faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
That makes sense. Okay, cool. Every five or six hours. Every five or six hours. Yeah. The tides would change. So for a while, she sang this song called Let Me Call You Sweetheart to the rhythm of her strokes to like keep her pace correct, Mm -hmm. which I listened to that song. And it's just this sweet love song. It's just, you know, (laughs) slow and sweet and precious. And I was like, man, that's. Maybe like Eye of the Tiger or something, you know, like I know that didn't exist yeah. in 1926, but like no, you would 1920s think it would be, Eye of the Tiger. You you would think that it would be some sort of maybe it was like Eye of the Tiger, but Great Gatsby, big band style. Oh, I would love that song. Wow. Yeah, I'll buy that. But no, she was listening to this sweet, or she was singing in her head this sweet little love song. But it kept her on pace, so whatever. Wow. Um, her father had promised her that if she finished, he would buy her a red roadster. So everybody in the boat <laughs> would occasionally hold up signs that said one wheel or two wheels or whatever, like the part, like how much of the car she had earned at that point. Yeah. To motivate her. Wow. Um, they also read her telegrams that her mom had sent to keep encouraging her as she went through (laughs) oh precious precious so the people on the boat had chicken legs oranges and chicken and vegetable soup for her and it was the first time the media had covered something live it was the first like play-by-play sports event wow yeah so cool so The water, the tides, and the weather conditions are continually deteriorating. And after a while, they were shouting at her to get out of the water. And she just shouted back, what for? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even though she said, like, she knew during one current shift, she could either swim with the new current or she would drown. So it was like, cool, 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 cool. And in one of the videos, the waves are huge. And you just see this little head bobbing and then occasionally it goes underwater. It's just, it's so stressful. That's so stressful. (laughs) It's so stressful. But 14 hours and 31 minutes later, Gertrude reached the far shore and destroyed the world record. If she had been able to swim a straight shot, it would have been 21 miles. But due to the choppy seas and the current and everything, she swam they say no less than 35 fucking miles. Wow. Which makes me so tired to think about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, she swam it two hours faster than all of the men had. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And she pulls herself out of the water. She's got a swollen tongue because of all the salt water. Her face looked, quote, like a boxer because the water had been, like, seeped into her skin for so long. And she had multiple jellyfish stings because jellyfish were a thing. What? Yep. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. Wow. In 1950, so, like, 24 years later, another American swam it in 13 hours and 20 minutes. But Gertrude stated that the seas were literally calm that day. So it's not really a fair comparison (laughs) of competitions, which I agree with. I'm with her on this. (laughs) So she returned to the U S in 1926, August 27th. 
And there's a crowd of 2 million people waiting for her. Wow. They are stoked on this. And so they all start chanting Trudy. Because she never really mentioned that her family actually called her Gertie. But whatever, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So they have to rush her and like lock her in the mayor's office. Because people are pounding down the doors. And then someone wrote a song called Tell Me Trudy Who's Going to Be the Lucky One. Because men were proposing to her by mail every week. They just really wanted this really strong lady to be their lady. Wow. So then Coolidge calls her to the White House to honor her and calls her America's best girl. And then commented that she was shocked, that he was shocked, excuse me. He commented that he was shocked that she could do it because she was so small. And then the article that I read was like, which was crazy because she was 142 pounds and she worked as an advisor for dressmakers for large women. I was like, what? 142, 142. And then if if you look at all the videos of her, I was like, what? All of you burn in a fire. So that's cool. Wow. So then she goes on tour with a vaudeville act. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Like you do. Went to Hollywood to film a 10-minute movie about herself. She starts making thousands. People want her to speak. She's still getting marriage proposals. All of these things are going, like, it's it's crazy. But the swim had made her hearing worse. And now with the pressure of everything, she said the quote, she just had the shakes and was just a bundle of nerves. And so looking back now, it's clear that she had a nervous breakdown the year after she got back. Oh. Um, and I mean, that's not really surprising given it's not really no. surprising given like how much everybody was focused on her for a year. And she was just Damn. this girl that liked to swim. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everybody's freaking I yes. Um so her growing deafness made her more and more self-conscious and shy. And then in 1927, Charles Lindbergh had his big flight over the Atlantic. And it was so technological that then she seemed old-fashioned. And some of the articles said she, quote, became a relic overnight. Which is so heartbreaking to me, but maybe it gave her some space, you know. But also, like, he was in a plane and she was... In her body, in a bathing suit. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's hard to even compare those as being. You super can't. Um, you super can't. So thankfully, this like late 20s was a time when gender roles were changing immensely. And she had a huge role to play in that. So the next four people to swim the English Channel were all women. Yes. So cool to me. Um, so then in 1929, she's basically engaged to this dude and made a comment to him about how it might be difficult to be married to a woman who's really hard of hearing, borderline deaf. And he agreed and vanished. What? He left. Wow. She was like, man, that might be hard. He was like, you're right. Goodbye. What a bitch. So she said, quote, there was never anyone else. I just didn't want to get hurt again. Which, like, yeah. <laughs> Sweet angel. God, I hate wow. that. 
1933, the uh, the downer things continue, and she slipped on some tiles, and it said injured her back, but she was in a cast for four years, and doctors told her she would never walk or swim again. So I feel like that was more than injuring. I feel like it was like breaking. Four years. Four years she was in a cast. Wow. So, yeah, doctors are like, we're really sorry. You're never going to walk again or swim again. But, like, you know, what do they know? So, uh, six years later, she swam at the New York World's Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Suck it. That's great. so So, over the years, people forgot. And it seemed like only journalists remembered her on the anniversaries of her swim. And then they made it look like she was this sob story. And she was like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm happy. Calm down. Mm -hmm. She began working for an airline at LaGuardia during World War II. And she would check the flight instruments. And she loved it. But then they moved the job (laughs) to Tulsa. And she was like, yeah, no. Thank you. Yeah. Which I super don't blame her. Because Tulsa was not a dynamite place at that time. Right. Or now. Right. <laughs> it's fine. So then, cutest thing in the world, she begins teaching deaf kids to swim at the Lexington School for the Deaf in New York City. Stop it. I know. Wow. That was her that was her job as her deafness constantly got worse. She always saved and invested money but was never paid that much, especially as much as other celebrities. She was never really wealthy. She lived in Queens with two roommates, but she told an interview, an interviewer that she quote, had no complaints. I'm comfortable and satisfied. I'm not a person who reaches for the moon as long as I have the stars. Wow. I love her. I love her so much. Wow. She was inducted into the international swimming hall of fame in 1965 and the Women's Sports Hall of Fame in 1980. There is now a Gertrude Ederly Recreation Center in Manhattan. And she died on November 30th, wow. 2003 in New Jersey. She was 98 years old. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. She's buried in the Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx. And her gravestone is a bench so people can come sit for a while. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Is that other cute in the world? Oh my god! <laughs> I saw a picture of it and I was like, "Stop it!" Wow. Apparently, Jerry Bruckheimer is spearheading a movie about her called "Young Woman in the Sea," but that began production in 2015. is is apparently still in the works. So. Oh. Hmm. Okay. That seems like a long time for that. So like but, maybe. Yeah. That's the story of Gertrude Ederly, Queen of the Waves. Wow. I love that. I love her. I love her so much. Um, To source my shit, quickly, uh, Britannica, Biography.com, Wikipedia. There was an amazing article that went super in-depth in the New York Times by Richard Severo. And there was a really really great article that i got a lot of information from um on history.com by a woman named becky little wow and that's my that's my shit 
Great work. I loved Thanks, that. Em. I super loved reading about her. I seriously, if you have time, just YouTube Gertrude Ederly and watch some of the videos. It is bonkers. I absolutely will do that. It's so good. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. Whew. Tired. I'm sweaty. No, I'm not. I'm not sweating, but you know. <laughs> Uh, do you Who do- is your babe of the week? I was going to ask you that. I beat you to it. It's true you did. My babe of the week is my grandma. Mm. She. It was so mm. great to just spend some really solid time talking about her and sharing memories with other people who knew her and loved her like I did, you know? Because yeah. I feel like I tell stories about yeah. her all the time, but it's different whenever they can be like, oh, do you remember that one time? And I don't remember until they say it. And then it's this whole flood of memories. Um, totally. But she taught us so much. My dad my dad spoke at the funeral, and it was really beautiful. And I held it together fine until he started crying, and then it was just game over. But... Yeah. He talked about how she taught him to be a grandparent before he ever knew that he was learning and that it, (laughs) you know, taught him immensely. And then people from around town where she lived and worked told stories about her and things that she had taught them, which included always keep cash in your bra because you never know. Kill your (laughs) own rattlesnakes. It's okay to cry. And my personal favorite don't try and fry chicken naked. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently wow. she got burned a whole bunch when she was frying chicken. I just, uh, yeah. So if That's that doesn't amazing. wrap up my dynamite grandma in a nutshell, I don't know what does. But yeah, she's absolutely my babe of the week. That's a really great one. That's a really think, good one. I think so. Who's your babe of the week? I think my babe of the week has to be sweet Ronnie. Or Veronica, as people from the conference know her as. Ronnie. It's so weird when people are like, oh, Veronica. And I'm like, yes, that is her name. (laughs) I just start singing Heathers in my head. I'm like, who is this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I just love her. And like Christmas always makes me miss Ronnie because she is so fucking good at getting presents and like is so aware and I'm like so shitty and forget every year and so then I text her I'm always like I forgot to get anybody presents and like I but and it like never bothers her she's always like no that's fine like I'm not getting them to get something back I'm just like I just thought of you she's just the best and yeah yeah and like she's been my best friend since I was a little tiny person and I miss her and her family because her family is like my second family so yeah I've just been thinking a lot about how I'm a fan of her so Ronnie Veronica love you I like you a lot yeah we both like you a lot we're big fans yeah you're a you're a cool lass cool lady Mm -hmm. oh dude somehow another one is gone God, they go so fast. They do go so fast. I love it. I hope you have a great Christmas with Evan's family. Um, 
I hope you have a great Christmas. Thanks. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Me too. Well, I love you very much. And I figure I probably won't call you on Christmas, but I'll text you at least. Yeah, that that works. Folks, if you have made it this far, you want to drop us a little Christmas present and leave us a review or rate us or subscribe to us or follow us or whatever you want to do. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, and we would appreciate it. Yeah, it's all at Babetown Pod, so it's easy to remember. All the social medias. That's us. So easy. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. I just love this. I love this. I love you. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Yep. Have a good night. I love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you soon. Tell Trevor that I'm the octopus. Oh, yeah. No, I will. I will. Okay, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>